Welcome to the Tech Report Podcast, where we help businesses survive, thrive, and create value. Welcome, everyone, to the Tech Report, the podcast that is all about helping businesses survive, thrive, and creating value, especially in our trying environment today. Well, I'm your host, Brad Stoller. Well, today we're doing something a little different. You know, we've been talking a lot lately about how the coronavirus has been affecting everybody's business and, you know, how to survive the epidemic. So today we're going to shift gears a bit. We're going to talk about how you can position your technology company or really any other company uh, to get ready for your exit. And I don't mean because of low sales and having to shut your doors. I know there's a lot of that going or the thoughts going around, but I mean getting your business ready to transition to a sale or partnership. So today we're fortunate to have Adam Borst of Business, I'm sorry, Vista Business Group. Adam is a partner with a company and he specializes in the sale and partnerships of managed service providers and other tech companies. So prior to joining Vista Business Group, Adam ran his own business as a portfolio manager for a number of years. And through his portfolio management experience, you know, Adam developed a keen sense for management capabilities and what it really takes for businesses to grow. So he and his firm works with buy side and sell side transactions uh, for mainly MSPs as well as other tech companies out there. So I'm really excited, you know, as Adam will be sharing some really key insights as to what strategic and private equity buyers are looking for. And if you're thinking of selling your company, you know, he's going to go over some key pitfalls to avoid if you're thinking of using acquisitions as a strategy to grow your tech company as well. So without further delay, Adam, welcome to the Tech Report. Yeah, thank you. It's a a pleasure to, to join you. Oh, great. Well, Adam, you and your firm have really been carving out a niche with technology companies, and really, you've been going after MSPs as a niche. So, first of all, congratulations on your success. But before we dive too deep in that, uh, I just tell us a little bit about your background. You know how you ended up specializing in technology through mergers and acquisitions. Sure. Um, so, so I started out as a portfolio manager, running a, a $22 million book of business where, uh, you know, my, my primary contribution to the world as a professional, it was the returns that I generated in people's retirement accounts. Right. So, um, so, you know, well, we did well there. You know, what, what really attracted me to M&A, it was the realization that, you know, I could, I could have a, a much bigger positive impact on the world by helping match up the right businesses. So, you know, typically the smaller the business, the higher their fixed costs are as a, as a percentage right. of their total income. And so, right. you know, they have to make decisions about what they offer to their customers and you know, typically fewer options. And in some cases, that's, you know, not ideal for the customer. So, um, you know, when a company gets merged into a larger player's operation, suddenly the overhead goes down and then, you know, it's a, it's, it's a win for everybody. So that's what got me into M&A uh, as far as, you know, what, what got us into focusing on, on technology um, and then MSP specifically, um, you know, as far as industry focus goes, we've always been somewhat agnostic, um, but there, we've always had 
you know, a number of tech projects over the years. But then when COVID hit, um, you know, we we really we decided to focus our energies on parts of the economy that we felt were going to continue to do do well. And exactly. So yeah, it's it, it's been a huge blessing for us as it turns out we've made you know a lot of a lot of great just really tremendous relationships and and you know we just we really enjoy working in this space so gotcha well i know that you, uh, you know you, we had talked uh, a little bit earlier and and your experience in portfolio management it really allowed you to observe some really successful companies and their leaders so what did you find that the really successful leaders had in common and, and what lessons should our listeners pick up from your time with those leaders? Basically, why were they so successful and others weren't? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so so I, I think it's Peter Lynch, he coined the term uh, di- diversification, right? So <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's not so, always good, is it? <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, and so, you know, the, the idea is there that, you know, that there's, there's great acquisitions and then not so great ones. And, and so the difference is it's pretty basic. So, you know, for the not so great ones, you know, if you're, if you're a Twinkie maker, you know, <laughs> does it really make sense to acquire a cosmetics company? Probably not. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, in, in private equity, they, you know, they have, situations like that but that, that's a whole different world that 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 makes sense for their for their business um, right right so for somebody wanting to make you know a strategic acquisition you know it is it is it kind of an obvious it, does it give you a whole new way to make money and and is again is that obvious so um for example a new product or service so in the case of an msp you know maybe that's cybersecurity or voip right. um maybe gives you a new customer base to sell to. So, um, you know, thinking big picture, um, that, like think of Netflix when, when the European union said that they could all of a sudden stream their services in Europe overnight, their stock price skyrocketed because their addressable market right. doubled. Right. So, exactly. so for, yeah. So for MSPs, you know, that's really what they're after is, you know, buying a, a whole new customer base. Exactly. So, well, I know you work a lot with strategic buyers as well as private equity companies, and you kind of alluded to that just a little bit ago, but can you just take a couple minutes and explain the difference between the two, you know, and why someone that's thinking of selling or or maybe even just partnering would want to consider entertaining just maybe a strategic buyer versus a private equity buyer? What's the difference? And when does, when should they be looking at, at one or the other? Sure. Um, so, so strategic acquirers, you know, they're, they're the larger players in the industry that, you know, they, they've scaled, they want to continue scaling their business. So, so that might be another large MSP. Bingo. Exactly. Yep. So, you know, when, when a strategic, uh, acquires a business, it's, it's merged into their operation. Right. And so, so they're great for both, uh, big and small companies wanting to sell and, you know, typically because they're already players in the industry, you know, they don't they don't need management to stay on board. So, um, you know, the, the MSP industry it's old enough that there's guys. You know, they've they've built a great business. They've been doing it for 20, 20 plus years, and they want to retire, go do something else. 
So exactly. So go fishing keep, or, or go play golf, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Off right. Into the they sunset. can't sit still that long. No, let's not kid ourselves. But but yes, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, um, strategics are you know it's a great fit there. And then yeah, the other great option though is is private equity. And so with with private equity, there, there's two types of acquisitions that they make. So there, there's platform investments and then add-ons. And so you know, with a platform investment, that's where they don't already have a company in that particular space. And so, you know, they're, they're really looking for a, a solid operation that they can acquire that they'll, they'll use that to establish a beachhead, right? And so, again, it needs to be a really, really solid operation. And so it'll have, you know, a minimum of a million in EBITDA, more realistically, probably two million in EBITDA. And, and so they'll, they'll keep the name, the branding, um, the management team, and, and they'll use it to establish that beachhead. So, so when you sell to a private equity in that situation, you, you, can, you can cash out, take some chips off the table, and then right. still continue running your business. Gotcha. So, so that's more like the partnership model, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Somebody that's looking for a growth partner. That's, that's exactly right. Yep. Gotcha. And they need you to keep the business going because they're not exactly necessarily the ones in that business to begin with, like the private equities. That, right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And you mentioned EBITDA. So we hear a lot of EBITDA and, and some, some of the, and a lot of the people listening to this, they know exactly what we're talking about. They've been there, done that. Okay. So that's the standard of M&A, but, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of MSPs out there that they're just starting to kind of think about this and EBITDA earnings. I get it. Earnings before, uh, I can't yeah. remember what it is. Talk to us a little about EBITDA, you know, what that is. And is that really what everybody's looking for? Yeah. So, so EBITDA, it's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So, so it's, it's a way to kind of, when, when you're comparing two companies side by side, it's, it's just, it's a way to kind of normalize uh, things. So um, yeah, as, as you pointed out, you know, it's, it's, a tremendously important figure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, well, there's other things that are important besides EBITDA, but um, but that seems to be the, the kind of the benchmark. What everybody compares, as you said, company to company. So, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Good thing to to know <laughs> if you're thinking about selling your business, you might want to get up to speed on that a little bit. So, but so if a business owner is asking you, okay, and they're they're concerned or not concerned, but they they just want to sell their business at some point. What are some of the key questions that you are going to typically ask and what are some signs that a business is really, if they're ready to sell or, well, maybe they should just wait just a little longer and build up their earnings. Basically, how can you tell when the right time to sell or partner really is? Yeah, that's, that's a great That's a question. loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, like time in the stock market. It doesn't work well, well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I love that question. So, so really um, that there's, there's, there's two parts to that answer, right? So, so the first is the right time to sell is when the owner's ready to sell. So uh, good. good um, yeah. So, I mean, and, and really and that's, that's up to the owner, you know, one, one owner might be happy having built their company up to 250,000 in revenue. Um, and then the other might want, you know, 25 million in revenue before they sell it. So, so it's really up to them. And then, the, um, 
before we get into the second part, the other aspect to that is, um, you know, the right time to sell is when times are good. So, you know, the, the second the revenue turns the other direction significantly, you know, if, if you've had revenue increase for three years in a row, and then you've been thinking about getting out, you know, it's probably a good time to pull the trigger. Right, so, right. Um, the second second part to that answer is thinking more big picture from a, a macro standpoint. Um, you know, in a consolidating industry, you don't want to be the last man standing. And and so there, there's plenty of consolidation going on in the managed services industry. Um, it's going to continue. So there's still yep. plenty of time. But, you know, you definitely don't want to wake up one day and go, geez, there's there's 50 managed service providers in the U.S. 40 of them are gigantic, and then there's there's me and nine others, you know. And so we don't they, stand a chance. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, that they could care less about buying your business at that point. So. Yeah, exactly. They, they don't need you anymore, do they? So. Yeah. So, what are some real danger signs? Okay, so. Um, every business, you know, okay, let's face it. You've, you've heard, we've all heard this. We felt this and I'll go back into, you know, when you're selling your house, you always think your house has this much value <laughs> and the market says, no, 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 no. You're down here. But as owners, we always think it's valued more than what it probably really is. But with that, what are some danger signs that many businesses have that really keep their value down other than just their pride? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so what should they look out for, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the short answer there is, you know, basically what are the things that as a business owner that, that keep you up at night? So, so number one, I mean, first and foremost, the thing that, that our red flags kind of go up when we see it, um, is, is, is there a, a strong concentration of revenue coming from, one one particular client or you know two or three clients right. um right. so you know another would be lack of management structure you know if it's a if it's a three-man show and the owner does most of the work then there's inherently more risk there and you know, it's, it's going to limit your buyer pool too because you know, anybody that comes in to acquire it they're going to need a manager to, to fill your shoes so they can manage it from afar if, if they're not already a, a strategic so so um, the one, the, 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 the person that's out there and doing everything, running the show, and they, they may be really, really, really good at it. They're superstars. <laughs> yeah, they're right. really good at personal, like, doing everything themselves, and they're good at it. Far, time, far better than anybody else. But that's actually not a good thing if you're going to sell your business, is it? Yeah. You know, and the other thing, too, that there's going to be a little bit of, of you know, people – in that situation, you know, customers, you know, maybe, maybe they're just, they're still doing business with, business with you because of that, that personal relationship, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, the, the more, you know, the, the bigger the company and, and the more management structure that's there, the more systems and procedures are in place, you know, the more of a, a solid business there is to acquire. So. Gotcha. So you're um, basically on the flip side, what you're saying is that, you know, some keys to, focus on I guess would to creating the highest value possible is stop doing everything yourself <laughs> have the systems have the people you know have the whole if you I know saw a lot of very successful MSPs, MSPs that I've talked with they have a system for that you know they might start somebody out as as the you know, 
help desk, <laughs> train right. them, graduate them up. They become a technician, graduate them up, eventually become the VCIO. And um, if you have a system where you keep going, like you're saying that that is really, really good as far as creating an exit strategy for a few years down the road. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Gotcha. So. Cool. So, well, I get this question quite a bit and that is, should a tech company simply work out a deal with the first buyer that approaches them? What are some reasons that business owners should use an M&A consulting company such as yours to help them through that process? Talk to us a little bit about that. And if, if they get that magic deal out of nowhere, should they take it <laughs> or what should they do? Right. So that's going on right now. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, the, the short answer is, you know, you, you don't want to have just one buyer because one, you know, you, you don't have any leverage and, right. and the other, you don't know if it's the top of the market because, you know, um, you know, your, your sample size is just one. So you should hire a company like ours who will bring you multiple offers all at the same time. You can compare them. You can decide which is the best fit for you from a, a financial standpoint, uh, from a, a deal structure standpoint, and then also in terms of, you know, what's, what makes for a good cultural fit. So right. you know, if you, that, that, that part, some people overlook that cultural fit part, but that's, that's just, you know, who you work with is tremendously important. Especially if you're partnering with somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if you work with a company like ours and, you know, we'll likely bring you 10 to 15, maybe 20 offers all at the same time. And you can review those, you stack them up side by side. And then, so you'll sleep good at night knowing that, you know, you got the best price for your company because you'll see what the market's willing to pay. And, and then, you know, you'll have leverage. So when, when you're negotiating with somebody, it's, it's much easier to negotiate if you have other offers to fall back on if, if one of those falls apart. So yeah, that makes a lot of um, sense. But doesn't that create a lot of extra work though, really? I mean, for the business owners, when you've got five, six, seven, eight, nine offers coming in, I mean, what, um, what value do you guys have to help the business owners get through all that? Because it sounds like a lot of work when, when you say it like that to me. So how, <laughs> how does, how do they get through all this stuff and what's your role with that? Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic question. Um, so the, the other thing to keep in mind is, is when you work with a company like ours, you know, we're, we're going to help you to package it up and, and with a pretty bow on top. Right. So, right. um, so it's, it's marketed in a professional way, in a way that it caters the way that, that any buyer out there is, is going to buy. So there'll be no issues when it gets to due diligence. And when we get to closing, because, It'll already be reviewed extensively in advance. And, you know, not only will we have helped you to already identify those issues, uh, but, but then to also properly document them. And then we share those with the buyers so that right. you know, that way nobody's surprised and everything, everything goes smoothly. And then, you know, you brought up a really great point, you know, filler fatigue, that, that's a real thing. People talk about it. It's real. So, yeah, it is. you know, we, we can show it to a hundred buyers you know, and, and from the standpoint of view, the seller, you know, it's, it's the same amount of effort for you to show it to just one, you know, being us. And, and then we turn around and we can show it to hundreds of people. So. Right. 
But you yeah. do that, how do you keep that quiet? Because the last thing you know, the owner wants is the word get out on the street that they're for sale. I mean, they've got a real risk of uh, their customers hearing that. And the next thing they know is they get a call from another MSP and that I'm out of here. I'm going to this guy because I don't think you're going to be around. I mean, so how do you how do they protect themselves against that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, that's that's part of the way that we go about with our process, right? So so we have a, a blind it's a teaser document that that we have, and that's just you know the real high level high level details um, of the company, and you know there's there's no name there, and then um, so. So when somebody says, yeah, I'd like to take a look at the company, then, then we send them a confidentiality agreement. And, you know, if, if they want to see the book that we've prepared, the, the confidential information memorandum, you know, they, they have to sign and, and return the confidentiality agreement. Yeah, um, makes a lot of so, sense. Yeah. Well, Adam, I, I know we talked about a lot of things today, and uh, I know I asked some questions that may I, I wasn't really trying to throw you off, but these are questions that are real. I mean, the business owners, this is what's going through their mind. And um, so I thought I better ask <laughs> because I'm yeah. sure a lot of people have had those questions. But but what have we missed so far that you feel our listeners should be aware of if they're considering either buying, selling, or partnering, whether it's today or down the road? Yeah. Um, so, so two things. One is you know, we have other options available to help you sell your business aside from just listing. So, you know, if, if you're uncomfortable with the idea of us widely marketing your business, then we also have, you know, we can help you with a, what we call a quiet listing where we reach out to acquirers strategically. So, so to, you know, both private equity, strategic acquirers and, and individual investors, family offices and the like. And, you know, so in that situation, you know, you, you wouldn't have all the offers all at once, all in your hand at once at the same time, but, and, you know, it might take a little longer, but, you know, we can certainly do it that way. And, you know, we have in the past. So gotcha. um, the other thing I'd mention is that, you know, as a first step, uh, our company, we provide valuation for free. So if you're, if you're wondering and you just want to know, you know, how do I stack up? What's, what's the value of my business? You know, give us a call. Let us do a valuation for you. Gotcha. And uh, so how do you guys go about valuing the, the business? Is it based upon just the earnings and multiples or I mean, what all do you do when, when they, when they call and want a valuation of the business, how do you actually go about doing that? What do they have to do to, to I guess is, uh, is to get that valuation? Yeah. Um, so we have people on our team that that's all they do. Right. So, um, so when you're working with, with anybody that's going to be seriously looking at acquiring your business, they're, they're going to go through, if if they have any sophistication to them, they're going to have a pretty in-depth due diligence process. And so, so we walk you through that step by step. Um, so, you know, so like I said, that way, there, there's no surprises when, you know, when somebody that's actually looking at your business wanting to acquire it, you know, when they're in the due diligence process and then, you know, when they get to closing. So. Okay. Fair enough. So, so if someone has some questions about selling your tech business or just want to follow up from this podcast episode, Adam, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, give us a call. Uh, 913-944-2285, or you can, just shoot me an email, uh, 
Adam Borst at vistabusinessgroup.com. Okay, and I'll make sure and put that up uh, so uh, everybody can have that information handy, but uh, good Great. stuff. So uh, once again, a special thanks to Adam Borst for his dedication to helping technology business owners with their transition plans. And I hope you've really been able to pick up some great ideas today that can really impact your financial future. And I strongly recommend that you listen to this episode a few times. Because if you're like me, <laughs> I always get something new from an episode every time I listen to it. So two, three times, you're always going to learn more every time you listen. So again, Adam, just a big thanks again today for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me.